Matthew chapter 4, if you would, and uh, we'll read just a few verses uh, this evening. And verse 3, would you uh, look there, if you would, tonight? We looked at a good portion of this this morning, and we only got to about verse 3 and verse 4. So uh, I'll stop at verse 11 tonight for those of you that are already looking to uh, how much verses are in the chapter. But uh, anyways, verse 3, if you would, look there in Matthew chapter 4. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if you jump down with me then, if you would, to verse 10 says, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. A spouse, shall we, in prayer? Lord, I thank you for the word of God, and I thank you already for the spirit of this service, and Lord, for what's taking place today, and the baptisms, and Lord, I thank you for opportunity to open up your word. I pray that you would use your word, and Lord, I pray that I would be dead to myself, and Lord, we'd be alive unto Christ. And Lord, that you would prick us where we need pricked, convict us where we need to be convicted, challenge us. Lord, I pray that we would be exhorted and encouraged, and Lord, leave out of here knowing that you hold the victory. And Lord, that victory is through Christ, and victory in Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that we can serve you, and Lord, that you can be our Savior. And Lord, I pray that even this evening, if there's one here tonight that does not know you, that they would see the importance of putting their trust in you for eternity. They would get us settled, this matter of heaven. Lord, I thank you and love you. Pray that you'll be seen tonight, high and lifted up. I ask you to use me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Verse 3, it does read, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, I find it interesting that Satan is trying to command Jesus Christ himself to do something. It doesn't work out too well when we, you and I try to tell God what to do. And he does it for Satan. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad that Satan uh, doesn't have the victory and that Satan tries to put up this fight and temptation to even Christ. And he loses. And I'm glad for that. Um, you know, Satan tempts us with things that he wants us to do. And Satan is tempting Christ with this matter of bread because Christ is hungered. And he had gone for 40 days fasting. And in Luke 4, verse 2, it talks about how he was hungered and fasted for that period of time, 40 days and 40 nights. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a matter here that uh, it's, a, it's a long time to go without food, now, without water, without eating, the Bible says in Luke 4. So it's a matter that Jesus, could he take the stones and, and, take them to, and change them to bread? Well... Let's think about this. He, he did that with uh, Moses and, and had the Israelites, had him smite a rock and water came out of it. He um, took the bread and, and allowed manna to fall for 40 years in Exodus 16. You know, he took five loaves, two fishes, and made a matter of being able to feed thousands. So it's not a matter that Jesus couldn't do this. It's not a matter that he couldn't take and have these stones be made and turned into bread. A widow woman had a barrel of meal in 1 Kings 17 and fed Elijah for days. The man of God, it's always good to feed the man of God. But why did Jesus not choose to just take these stones and turn them to bread? 
Was it because Satan was asking him to, or was it because he couldn't do it? Oh, no, he could do it. He could have done it. And it's almost as if Satan is saying, hey, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Do the manna thing again. And just, hey, just take these stones and, and make them to bread. You're hungry. Why not? But Jesus places emphasis where we need to place emphasis. And every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is where he puts emphasis. You know, Jesus doesn't say, well, I can do that. Jesus doesn't say, well, give me, give me a second here. Let me, let me get these stones in, in order. No, he doesn't do anything about the matter of stones. You know what he directs it right to? He takes the physical bread that Satan is trying to get him to do, and he turns it right into spiritual. A spiritual matter. Notice with me, if you would, in verse 4, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone. We are not to live by bread alone. What are we to live by then? Well, thankful for the Word of God, it gives us the answer. It says, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I love when the Holy Spirit already takes over. We just sang, I don't know if you noticed it, maybe I just did, because I'm just tapped into this passage of Scripture. We just sang about how it's a matter that every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, and we just sang this song, and the matter of seeking ye first. But you know, the reason is not because Jesus couldn't do it. The reason why he did not do it, because it was not God's will for this to happen this way. Jesus was more concerned about God's will. In 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Can I tell you what this is a picture of? This is a picture of the lust of the flesh. So if Jesus were to give in to this matter of taking these stones and turning them into bread, guess what he just gave in to? Just gave in to the lust of the flesh. My God, the God that I know, has no sin in him. Has no thought of sin. There is no sin with God. And you know, the world passed away and lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God, even Jesus Christ, went through with what God's will was for his life. And it was not God's will for him to take these stones and turn them into bread. For that would be feeding the lust of the flesh. And it was being tested. I wonder tonight, just can we stop in a moment and can we just ponder on this thought? As I think of this, I think, I wonder in my life, I wonder maybe even in your life, are there times where we are not doing God's will? Where we are associating with folks that are not in God's will? where we are making decisions that are not made according to God's Word and according to God's will. I wonder tonight, is there anything that we're doing that is against God's Word? You know, there's a saying that goes this way, if in doubt, go without. Let me change that tonight just for us, if, we, if I could. If in doubt, search God's Word out. If in doubt, search God's word out. It does have the answer. It does hold the answer. And what is Satan trying to do here in verse 3 and verse 4? Satan is trying to do this. He's trying to get Jesus Christ to go against God's will for his life. Satan is trying to get Christ to question whether this is Father's love for him. Whether Christ has just left him, just hungered in the wilderness, alone, a barren land. You know what Satan is still trying to do today? 
He's still trying to get, Christ, get us to question whether Christ loves us and whether Christ really cares about us and our needs. Wait a second. We've got to get our eyes off ourselves. We must get our eyes on Christ. Satan is trying to get Christ to do something contradictory to the Father, independently of the Father's will. And Satan is trying to say, hey, use your divine powers to meet your own need. Hey, take these stones and prove it in a way that is not God's way. It's not good. Allow these circumstances. Let me put it in our vernacular. Let me put it in our, in our life in today's, today's world. Allow these circumstances to determine what God's will is for your life. No, these stones are not to be made bread. Satan is still trying to do the same thing. He wants us to think, what's best for me? Well, what, what would be best for my family? What's the desires of my heart? I want to do life my way. And you know, it's not a good thing to get in that earthly temptation in that matter. Matter of fact, if you would take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 4, just a couple books, books over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 4. Jesus didn't give in to earthly temptation. He did not this time. He did not another time. And I want to show this to you from Scripture. When He is also faced with, with another instance with His physical meat and bread, and He answers this way, just as He was going about properly with this temptation that had come to Him. But He also answers properly in John chapter 4, verse 31, when His disciples are very concerned about food. It doesn't take long to be around a bunch of men and they get concerned about food. Any man, that is. But in the meanwhile, his disciples, verse 31, prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Well, hath he, any man brought him ought to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know, Christ and God's will was more important to him than food itself. How did Jesus know how to handle these temptations? I mean, one after another came to him. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. By the way, you and I deal with these same kind of temptations every day. How did he deal with it? He was spiritually conditioned. So much so, he had submitted to the Word of God to be the will of God in his life. Can I ask you tonight? Can I ask myself tonight? Can we just stop another second? Can we just pause? Can we just think, are there things that are in my life that are contrary to the Word of God? Is there anything in my life that I'm doing, that you're doing, that would not line up with God's Word? By the way, if it doesn't line up with God's Word, please don't say it's God's will. Please help us all and don't say it's God's will. Because God's will comes from God's Word. See, in any way you and I are living contrary to God's will for our life, it is contrary to God's Word. We cannot live by bread alone. I have to ask myself, do I crave food more than God? Well, that's a hard question to have to deal with. Well, that's challenging. 
That's convicting. You know, in Philippians, it says their God is their belly. They mine earthly things. Even more than food, we should crave the Word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16, it's interesting. It says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And for the word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. This is not from bread alone. By the way, a strong Christian life is not just built in a day. And it's just magic. And it just poof, strong Christian life. No, it's built one step after another step, one day after another day, being in God's word, feeding. I mean, we, we at least, most of us at least, eat three meals a day. Physically, I wonder how often we even just eat one meal from the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm already convicted at this part of the message. To the degree that I have to ask myself, my goodness, would I get more excited about where I'm going to eat tonight? Would I get more excited about what I'm going to put in my stomach for my stomach's sake than I would turning to the Word of God and opening up the Bible and finding in Scripture, my, oh my, oh taste and see, the Lord is good. And I alluded to this this morning, and I know this, that there's much good food around this area. But let me just remind you of some of those. Nick's, Elysio's, popcorn, primo hoagies, water ice. And I better just stop right there, right? There's, there's all kinds of lists that goes on, and Last summer, we, we realized what tasting the boardwalk was. We had no idea what that was. And you have your favorite places, and you have your restaurants you've picked out, and you have your places you and I, or, or you would frequent, and I would frequent. And you know, it's all right to eat, and it's good to eat, and we need to eat, and we can take care of ourselves, and it's good, and it tastes good, and we love food. But I wonder tonight, can we just stop for a second? Can we just pause? Can we just think... Do I love food more than I love God? Do I love food more than I love God's Word? See, man should not live by bread alone. I'm trying to drive a point home tonight, and we started a little bit in this this morning, but I don't know about you, but I struggle with this. I don't want to starve physically, but there's times where I'm starving spiritually. And my soul needs nourishment. And it's a matter that you know what? I, I realize I need food when I start to get hungry. The Bible says hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, I struggle with temptations. Well, can I ask you this? In Matthew 4, have you, have you thrown the Word of God at your temptation? Have you thrown Scripture at it? I don't mean taking the Bible and literally throwing the Bible, how disrespectful that would be. But I mean taking the words of God because they're hidden in your heart and because you've been in it and you've been eating and you've been chewing on it and you've been tasting it and it's been become real to you so much so that there's words that are coming to that temptation and, th- and there's a fleeing and there's, there's, there's something, there's a fight that's going on and I, I am going to have victory with Christ in this matter. I'm not going to continue to struggle with this temptation. It keeps on facing me and it keeps on coming my way, but I'm going to do my best to throw Scripture at it. And that dart goes thrown right into Satan and the temptation. See, the importance of the Word of God is found by how much you and I are in it. And when temptations come, our answer should be from the Word of God. 
But oh, we can live according to the Word of God if, if we see the value of it. And I'm so glad that Christ saw the value of it, so much so that He says right from the first temptation that He's dealt with, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, when you realize that the Bible provides way more than what bread can provide, the Bible lasts forever, bread will only sustain you temporarily, it only makes it about halfway, well, some of us it makes a little farther. But here's the thing, I, it, this lasts forever. Bread will not last forever. This will fight temptation. The other only fights hunger pain. The Bible will satisfy the eternal soul, but bread will only fill the stomach. The Bible will always stay fresh and preserved. It will never go stale, but bread will get stale. Leave it out a little while, it'll spoil. Think about something with me, would you? The first temptation that Christ himself faced is this that the devil wanted God to create bread for himself. He wanted God to use these gifts for selfish reasons. Oh, was Christ in need physically? Forty days. The digression of fasting to physically weak, it's a matter of coldness, aches, pains, stomach aches, back pain, dizziness with, with a matter of even just a sudden change of body position, lack of sleep, mental discomfort, major weakness experienced, food and just your thoughts, and you feel like you can taste it, you can smell it, but you cannot ever put it in your mouth. Never getting to eat it, but thinking about it. Smelling it deeper than you've ever smelled it before. Tasting it as if you, you could taste it in your mouth, but you're not getting to taste it. The hunger pains. Oh, was Christ in need physically? Yes, but He was in more need spiritually. What about you and me? Can I just say tonight, what about you and me? Where are we at? I'll tell you where we're at with temptation. It's whatever we're feeding the most. See, there's an American Christian that was struggling with spiritual conflict. It was a Native American Christian. He had a desire to still do the things that were evil. And he went to a missionary and he said, would you, would you uh, help me? out?" And, and uh, this is a conflict. And he described it as a dog fight. Maybe you heard this before, but he said to the missionary, it's as, though, as if I have a black dog and a white dog. And every time I, the black dog and the white dog seem like they're just fighting each other constantly and they're constantly going back and forth. And the black dog represents evil and the white dog would represent good. And the missionary asked him, hey, which, which dog wins the fight? And the Native American replied, whichever one I feed the most. I wonder which one is winning in your life tonight. I wonder which one is winning in my life tonight. Whichever one I'm feeding the most. See, a person can either feed or starve the carnal nature or the spiritual nature. One I want to win and one I want to lose. What does bread look like? Bread looks physical bread. You know what that looks like. But not by bread alone. What does the spiritual bread look like? This right here. The Bible. Tell you what bread looks like. It looks like 
waking up in the morning, rushing to get the kids ready for school, grabbing breakfast, running to the gym, getting ready for work, fighting the traffic, greeting the coworkers, working through the tasks, checking in with your boss, fielding question after question, text after text, phone call after phone call, email after email, looking forward to lunch, hamming it up with the guys or gals for you ladies, move to appointment, here appointment there, finish as much as we can, cram into the rest of the workday, fighting traffic, figuring out what we're gonna do for dinner, where, we are, where we're all gonna have to go, errands that need to be run, what all we have to get, Need to get ready for tomorrow, crash on the couch, favorite chair, get ready for bed, sleep, repeat, day in and day out with no God. With no God. With no God's Word. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is, where do we find God in all this? Where, where is God? Where is the seek ye first, the kingdom of God? Where is the every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? And where is us not going by just bread alone, physically? What are we really doing? We're, we're selling for meager crumbs of, of earth and earthly temptation. See, we leave the Word of God out. We leave all out of our life that God wants to do. And, and we expect somehow to be able to fight temptation when it comes our way. But we do not have God with us to help us because we have left God out. We have not taken the Word of God with us. And I preach to myself tonight. And I'm convicted. And I'm challenged. And I hope you are as well. Because God's Word is for us. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Oh yes, we pray it. Oh yes, we, we want to have provision of bread. But it must bring us to the realization that even when we need to put food in our mouth, that it is a matter that we need God spiritually. Because in John, it says this, in John six thirty five, Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life, and I am that bread of life. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Why on earth do we settle for breadcrumbs when we can have the bread of life? Why on earth do we not even get breadcrumbs from God's Word? Why on earth do we not Seek it out. Why do we not hunger and thirst? You know why you and I struggle with spiritual victory? Because it comes from God's Word. So how do we do this? How do we use God's Word? Not only are we to be in it, but first, it must be a matter that spiritual victory comes from God's Word. Letter A, we must speak God's true Word back. How do we fight temptation? Well, verse 5 Matthew chapter 4, our text tonight, it says, Then the devil taketh him up in the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. The pinnacle of the temple was rising above the temple 150 feet. The Kidron Valley, some 700, uh, 700 feet below. You know what Satan wants to do? He always wants to make things look good right before he brings you down. You know what? Get this, please, with me. Follow this. Verse 5, he's taken him up. Taken him up into a pinnacle. By the way, there's no farther up than heaven where, where God sits today. And, and tonight he's, he's alive and well and he's real. And I'm glad for that. But you know what? He's, the devil, is, it's interesting. He takes him up. And by the way, God will cast you down so that he can raise you up. But the devil will try to raise you up so that he can take you down. It's amazing. What a difference. And notice verse 9, it says, fall down and worship me. 
Cast yourself off. You're going to be the talking of the, of the town. Satan tries his best to make everything look attractive. And if he can make it attractive to you and to me and lure you in and bait you on a hook and, and paint a beautiful picture and get your attention, he wants to, you to see the thrill in it. He wants you to see the pleasures of sin for a season. But sin, when it is finished, bring it forth death. How does Jesus respond to this? This is the pride of life at this point. Notice, by the way, this is very interesting in verse 6. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, the devil is saying this, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. By the way, it is written a whole lot more than what the devil is saying. And the devil always takes words out. He misses some words here. If you were to look at Psalms 91.11, and for sake of time, and maybe you look that up later tonight, but Psalm 91.11, he takes out the words to keep thee in all thy ways. Amazing. It's amazing. So let's, let's look at this the way it's supposed to be. Verse 6, And say unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge to keep thee in all thy ways concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. See, Jesus is going to expose. And verse 7 it says, notice this, It is written. Let me tell you what's written, Satan. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's what's written. You, mi you missed out. You left out some things to keep in all thy ways. And you're trying to say the word of God. And he's trying to throw scripture at God. And God is the word. Bad, bad idea. You know, the word of God knows the word of God. And it is written. And so Jesus exposes Satan tactics one by one. In Romans 12, 21, it says, Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. I want to ask you tonight, what is greater good than this right here? I don't know if there's any greater good. But you and I, we've got to be careful because we go back to that. We've got to be careful in a matter of the Word of God has got to become more important to us than even our physical food. And at any moment, I can start thinking of food that I've enjoyed, that I will eat. And I can think of that pretty quickly. We've got to be careful can I tell you that this evening, we've got to speak God's true word back. To fight temptation, don't use your own language. Don't use your own conversation. Don't have any airtime with the devil. Use God's word and throw it back in his face. But make sure it's God's true word back to him. Don't come up with your own version. Don't come up with your own ideas. Don't come up with your own, you know, have this dialogue. No, throw God's word back at it. No, Satan, it is written that, that when I, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what's written. So I'm going to heaven. You quit, you get out of here. And it's not a matter you're going to plant these doubts in my head. You know, use the word of God. The devil always likes to keep the words of God out. Let her be tonight, not only speak God's true word back, but let her be, stand up to temptation. Stand up. Fight. Stand up to temptation. I'm going to give you some ways tonight in closing that we can do this. And I see this, and I believe in Scripture here we can see this. And it's interesting, in verse 9, would you notice with me? Verse 9, to stand up to temptation, we've got to flee. We've got to flee. Notice verse 9, it says this, that Satan is, is going about and saying to him, All these things will I give. All these things will I give. Satan is trying to get this. 
I don't know about you, but this blows my mind here on this one. Satan is trying to offer to God, I mean to God, to God, offer something to God, the one who created everything. What in the world? Satan is not as smart as we think he is. And by the way, I'll tell you this, don't take anything from the devil. He's trying to give something to God, but he, he gives us, tries to give us something all the time. And he says, here, I'll give you this, and you can have this. And you can have the pleasures of sin for a season. But we don't realize that sin, when it's finished, bringing forth death. We don't think about that. But we're thinking about that pleasures. Oh, man, this is fun. Oh, man, this is enjoyable. He's trying to give you something. You have God in your heart. I have God in my heart. I have the Scripture in my taking. I, I can open it up, and I can hide it in my heart, and I can throw it in His face, and I can get the Word of God to Him. And have him, and I need to flee, and he's going to flee, by the way. We'll see that. And he offers the kingdoms of the world. I mean, the devil offers whatever he can. And by the way, his king, the devil's kingdoms are nothing but a cesspool of muck and mire. And filth and regret is coming. And by the way, the glory of, of uh, the devil, this says, the devil take him up to the mountain, Sinai mountain, and showeth him, and it says, I'll give you all these things and I'll fall down and worship me. The glory the devil has is vanity and vain and it's void and nothing but a bunch of emptiness. But it's interesting. He's, he's offering to God, I will give. I wonder tonight, is there anything that the devil has tried to offer you? I wonder, what have you given into of the devil? I wonder, what is he trying to give you that you're willing to take? I wonder tonight, is it a matter that you won't give place to the devil and flee youthful lust and abstain from all appearance of evil? And abstain means to shun away from immediately. It means to be repulsed. It means to, to think it's gross. You know what I think is gross? Dead, dead roadkill. I ain't going close to that. A bunch of maggots all over it. Vultures coming down on it. You know what? I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to abstain from it. You know what I, I don't want to have come in any door, anywhere, and please don't play this trick, is a hiss of a rattlesnake. And if you and I heard that right now, I guarantee you many of you would get out of your pew, no matter what's being said up here, and would, get, and would get out of here as fast as you could. You know what you're doing? You're abstaining. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. All appearance of evil. You mean to, to shun it? To, to mean you, if I mess with a fire, I'm going to get burned? Yes. You mean I'm going to have some scars? Yes. You mean, you mean it's poison and it's going to bring fatality and sickness and pain? Yes. Say, oh no, it won't happen to me. Oh no, I'm beyond that. I'm a bigger Christian than that. Many a man has fallen. Take heed lest she fall. Many a woman has fallen because of the appearance of evil. Appearance means any shape, kind. It comes in all shapes and sizes and types, by the way. See, when you and I discern something is evil, we are to run from it. We are to flee. And what I'm saying is, take a stand. Stand up against temptation. Flee it. Don't, I'm taking a stand. I'm right here in the middle of it. No, you take a stand by getting out of here as fast as you can. That's how you take a stand. Do whatever it takes. Make Get this, make it hard on yourself to sin. If there's nothing else you get tonight, write that down, please. Make it hard on yourself to sin. 
If we made it hard on ourselves to sin, we would not sin as much as we do. Make it hard on yourself to sin. Do whatever it takes to remove yourself from the situation that will get you in trouble. The temptations that tempt you, you know what they are. Oh, you didn't name my sin, Brother Tyler. I don't have to. You know what it is. You know your besetting sin. You know the temptations that come your way. In your heart of hearts, you and I both know what's down deep. And by the way, there's someone else who knows. As man thinking in the heart, so is he. And God happens to know our thoughts, and He knows exactly what's going on in our inside. Depart from evil. Do good. Depart from evil. Depart from evil. You'll see it over and over in Scripture. And number two, fight. Number two, fight. Verse 8 and verse 9, Again, the devil will take him up to the exceeding high mountain and show with him all the kings of the world and the glory of them. And he said to them, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down. But verse 3 is the lust of the flesh. Verse 5 is the pride of life. Verse 8 and 9 is the lust of the eyes. And he's saying, I'm going to give you these kingdoms. But guess what he's really saying? What the Satan is really saying is, Christ, I'm going to give you these kingdoms without the cross. Man, I'm glad that God had given to this temptation. Man, I'm glad he went to the cross for me. And his attempt was to give Christ what, he, what was already his to begin with. And he's, Satan is saying this, everything you set your eyes on will be yours if you come my way. And this is when, notice please, verse 10, this is when, when Jesus, that's it, that's enough, I've had enough. Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only that shalt thou serve. You know what he's doing? He's putting up a fight. You and I need to put up a fight that we're not going to put up with Satan and they're not going to get our attention and we're going to flee youthful lust and we're going to abstain and we're going to get out of there and we're going to depart from evil and do good. We're going to seek peace and pursue it and we're going to, we're going to be a matter that we're going to take this thing seriously. So I'm going to flee it. I'm going to fight. And I'm going to go up against if Satan tries to get things, paint a picture that's better than what it is, what he always does, then I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to flee from him. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. How am I going to do this? I'm going to pray that I enter not into temptation. I'm going to get some verses that are fighting verses. So I can throw it at his face. I'm going to hide God's word in my heart. I have my sword ready. It's going to be close. Man, I struggle with whatever subject it is. You want to say lust? You want to say anger? You want to say jealousy? You want to say coveting? You want to say friendship? You want to say time? You want to say whatever it is? The Word of God has the answer. There's verses in the Bible. Study that, study that Word. Study those verses. Get into it. Make it a subject of study. And thirdly, lastly, submit to God and not the devil. Submit to God and not the devil. Watch and pray in our temptation. Watch and pray. Can I tell you one of the greatest actions of submission is prayer. You say, God, I need you. That's submitting. Prayer is an action of submission. If tonight, I close with this. An elephant can smell danger on the ground or in the air just by waving that big trunk. A house fly, you, you've probably experienced this before as you pull the fly swatter out. 
They can spot a fly swatter because they have 4,000 lens in their eyes. Unbelievable. And people don't want to believe in God. And God created a house fly. If you were a fish, you feel a predator even before you saw it through a special sense organ called a lateral line. But here's the question tonight. Can you spot spiritual danger? Because unlike any elephant, unlike any housefly, unlike any fish, you and I have a mind, will, and emotion. We have a body, soul, a spirit. But we have the Word of God. And we could. And God will give us spiritual discernment and wisdom if we just get in it. Because Christ says, hey, it's written. Let me tell you, Satan, this is what's written. And we're to love God. We're to worship Him with all our heart.